0: Join us as we open another file in the Markov Dossier. File number, Casium Certamine 320
1: File open. Sir Luton, and welcome to this episode of the Markov Dossier, a dystopian age podcast. My name is Scott, and I'm here with Sam.
0: Howdy, pilgrims.
1: And we are also joined by two very special guests. We have Calvin and Richard from the Wisconsin Admiralty. Hey, Hello. it's
2: always a pleasure to be back in the Marquises.
0: Hey, <laughs> uh, We like Calvin so much from the last episode, we've actually kept him captive until now, and now we're letting him out again. It talks about D.W.
2: or it gets the hose. I am just thrilled (laughs) to see the sun for the first time in so many months. (laughs) Couldn't resist that.
0: Yes. Okay. We've got these two fine gentlemen here today because rising triumphantly from their recent exploits of running the first dystopian wars tournament in wisconsin we have the organizer himself calvin and the absolute winner with with his uh fleet aerial fleet of let's be honest total cheese (laughs) 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 richard Brushkin, that's not your surname richard i know that's that's the name you use on discord welcome lads it's really cool to have you here
2: it's a Pleasure being here as always.
1: <laughs> Let's go back to the days of your how did you both discover Dystopian Wars? Are you from the previous edition prize Spartan,
2: or is it something you've discovered in more recent years?
3: Did you want to go first, Calvin?
2: Oh, sure. Well, friend of the podcast, Noah, the guy who runs Valhalla Hobby. Um, did an event at a local gaming convention that a different podcast host was hosting for his birthday. I saw that there were boats involved, I had to take a look just out of curiosity, and it bit. And it bit hard. And I basically bullied a local admiral until he bought the other half of the starter box. And I haven't looked back since. I'm familiar with some of the Spartan stuff. I remember Dystopian Legions but never actually got the chance to play it. But for some reason I had a rule book or two in the library for somehow.
3: What about you, Richard? How did you get into the game? Well, I got into it, uh, thanks to a couple of my, uh, friends that I grew up with. The, uh, original Spartan era game was extremely popular in our, uh, local area. And both of them were players. Um, I wasn't personally, as I was a little late to the whole miniature wargaming scene. Uh, they got me into it with uh, war, war Machine and 40K a few years later, after Dystopian Wars has kind of peered away from the uh, local scene. But when the 3rd edition was announced, they both got extremely excited. They got me excited. I ended up buying my first Imperium Frontline Squadron box off of eBay. So I got it before it was actually uh, available in the North American area. And I realized I couldn't actually do anything with it because I didn't have a battleship or any of the other stuff. So I had to buy that box. And from there, just the way the game played and how the mechanics were and how defined the rules were, uh, it just really clicked with me in a uh, this is really fun kind of way. And it kept growing. And now we've managed to find a couple other war hosts in the Wisconsin area and form a group that's roughly about 50 people strong with about 20 people that I know that are playing on a regular basis. That's a big group. It's for a local group. Well, that's like all of the Wisconsin area. Yeah, I
1: suppose
2: Wisconsin's sort of probably twice the size of England, so. We have 55 folk in the Wisconsin League of Admirals but there are a fair number of imports. We've got a couple of people from Illinois. We got a guy from Minnesota. We've got a guy from Wales, the country, which was amusing because there is a Wales, Wisconsin. So when you're like, oh, from Wales, everyone's all excited. We're trying to plan. It's like, nah, it's a 16-hour flight, so I might (laughs) not make it to the event. (laughs)
0: bit of a trip from Cardiff <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, right, so Calvin, so you you dived into the game mm-hmm. and you met, then you arrived on the Discord and it's fair to say you made a huge splash with your personality and your enthusiasm uh. for this game you got yourself noticed really quickly on the Discord as someone who was clearly in love with the game and you went from player to war host to hosting really, really fast, that is a heck i mean it took me a while to go become a war host i was playing for ages but you just really really dived in so what made you do that it's like
2: yeah i can do this let's go i'm going to out myself as a bit of a weirdo but one of my great enjoyments in life is how is allowing other people to have fun my entire clan is huge for running events like um My pop runs at antique car swap meets every single year like clockwork. The reason that event happens is because Papa Bomb Diggity has this happen. It is by the sweat of his brow that folk come from across the country to exchange old car parts. And it's the same thing with my mom's side. She's got the personality that no matter what job she's at, she assembles a group around her that gets stuff done. And that was that kind of lifestyle was passed on to me. I enjoy the game, but I also enjoy an event that is ran properly with all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed and being able to look at the end of the event, take a deep breath and go, great, when's the next one? And just kind of parlaying that into, I don't want to say a career path, but into the path I'm walking. Valhalla Hobby had recently opened around that time and was, you know, didn't, there was no other war host in the area, and it's like, well, I'll give my home store a bit more credence by having a attached war host to there, and now I'm here. So how many war hosts are in?
1: In the Wisconsin area, then, because it's not just yourself, is it? There's a, yep. a few of you.
2: We've got myself. We've got Brush King, who's a war host. We've got After Science Pete, who is constantly in the trenches, just interpreting rules, making sure that nothing falls through the uh, cracks. And we've got Ron, who is uh Pharisees, who's doing a lot of work keeping the Union spirit alive with how the boats play. So you've got all your bases covered, then, from those... Yep it's a it's a really diverse group of lads with a lot of talents between and like the the community as a whole in Wisconsin it's it's a really it's a good group of lads with a lot of just everyone brings something to the table and we're not like short of anything. So what
0: made you decide to I'm going to do a tournament? As you said, you enjoy running those sorts of things, but you you must have thought about go like, Can I do this? Can I not? Then you just dived in and. <laughs> It snowballed. It literally just went like an avalanche. This tournament, from the moment you said you were going to do it, to it happening, it just went like the rails on rails. Whoosh. You can't. That's
2: how it looked from outside, anyway. Probably felt a bit more stressful on the inside. You can actually blame Richard for the tournament. Uh what did you do, Richard?
3: <laughs> I'd actually been talking about the desire to get the tournament scene going. We'd been, we'd done a few. Probably three or four of our monthly meetups. We had, at that point, easily 12 players, if not more. It kind of rotated on, you know, we had a few that made it every month. We had some that made it every now and then. I mean, we were starting to get a fairly consistent player base. Not everyone could always make it to the monthly meeting, but we have the the group. So I started thinking about, you know, we should run a tournament. I was talking to the other guys about various places, you know, how big do we think we can go what's feasible kind of along those lines uh, except i never really got to go too far in that direction other than reaching out to a couple of venues about potential pricing and that uh just because my home life is very busy i'm a stay-at-home dad with two young girls so i am just constantly chasing them around so my hobby time and extra hobby time on top of that was very limited calvin just took that idea and was like i can do that and away he went <laughs> And I said, "Fantastic! It's your it's your problem now."
0: <laughs> I have a very similar attitude to uh, how this is run. I just I Scott says, "I can do that," and I go, "Go, yeah." <laughs> I'm not organised. You, you
1: got this <laughs> too. <terrible. laughs> yep, yeah. it's a pain. I feel all too well. So you wrote a lot of the scenarios prior to the official tournament. Mm-hmm. List, what sort of approach did you take to writing those? Did you have some? Have you, because you've obviously got a big group, so you've got a lot of, of playtesting and you've got a lot of faction styles and things like that, so you, you have a good idea of how the game plays at its most competitive? Let's say, did you have a particular approach? Do you have something in mind? Or did you all collaborate together
2: to sort of say, well, this is probably how we should do this? So the ongoing thing from Wisconsin is the Wisconsin meta. We play a very heavy game of dystopian wars where just boats are being removed every turn. They're, I don't want to say we ignore objectives because that is incredibly incorrect. But we do play extremely aggressively compared to some of the bad reps I've read and some of the videos we watched. So my whole goal was to make a set of scenarios that would be thematic, that would be something that hasn't really been seen, and also encourage playing the objective. You know, anyone can throw an event where you just kind of push plastic into each other until someone decides that they've lost. I wanted to make an event where you had to play the objective in order to continually get to where you need to go. Bodying your opponent was an option, but as a means to an end, not the end in of itself. The first scenario I came up with was the lightning in a bottle, and that came from um, The Tempest being such a fun mission, but it only scored at the very end of the game and had the chance to just peter out. You play The Tempest to get the chaos of double drifting and all this stuff happening And then you bork a roll, and round two, everything's back to normal. And it's just a straight-up slugfest, which isn't as compelling. The amber submarine came from, I think... I think that came from the old prize vessel rules from Spartan era. Back when you could commandeer a uh, boat if you punched it to death hard enough. You couldn't fight with it, but you could score victory points because you know i've got your boat now and my personal favorite the blockade runner where you have to escort your hidden objective off the board i just thought would be fun where it's how do you play the cup and ball game do you put your meaningful objective that could win you the game by itself under the flagship where everyone thinks it's gonna be then it can take hits, or do you put it under some lone cruiser and just really hope it squeaks past? I was incredibly lucky with the group that there was no shortage of playtesting. All the war hosts had a hand in this, and most of the players in Wisconsin uh, helped develop this. I've still got the draft of version 1 of all of these, and the amount of difference between version one and the final, what everyone played, is so large. And I cannot thank everyone enough for like testing this, for talking to me, for finding cracks and working to get this playable and enjoyable.
0: That's cool. When we get to talk about it, I'm going to be very interested to see what tactics people did take with the blockade run. Did they put it under the flagship or did they stick it in one of the smaller boats? I'm going to be interested to <laughs> see yeah. in what they did. Right. Okay. So we've got to, we've gone through the, this is where the tournament, so the tournament's now, you've, you've, you've put it in the diary and people are People are now signing up for it and so on. And then you get told that you're going to get some special guests. How did that feel when you get told, yeah, we're coming all the way over to come see this? You're like,
2: hey. So here, that's the weird part. I threw it out to Stuart as a Hail Mary. In the same way you send, you know, Jason Statham and the Queen an invitation to your wedding, where it's like, you know, it'd be really cool if it works, but I'm not going to hold my breath. And then I get back, uh, yeah, we can make that. And my heart stopped. (laughs) I hit a (laughs) note, typically not achievable by humans to a point where my wife comes running into the room wondering if she's like suddenly single or not and it was it was very heady i was flattered that they would want to come out and see what all the mess was about
0: definitely hit home run there i think we'll go over to richard now so you're you know you're entering this tournament you did put your list out really early. You'd got a clear idea what you wanted to do. How long did you spend on that? Did you you're just like, nope, I'm doing aerial? Or <laughs> did you tinker around with it a few
3: times before you thought, yeah, this is going to work? Well, my initial list, uh, we announced the tournament. And I was like, well, I have four Zeppelins. I can get one more in time for the tournament. I'll run the Iron Skies Battlefleet. Because that's going to be fun. It's going to be unique. And it's going to look great. So I, I did a couple playtest games when I, once I got all the models assembled, and I realized this isn't fun. I mean, it's great to win, but it was very oppressive victories. It just absolutely destroyed everything it faced. So I had to, I had to change gears because I, want, I wanted to win the tournament, but I didn't want to ruin the fun for everybody. Uh-huh. So I changed over to, well, I have all these little airships. They're still really cool. And I tried them out, and the first game I played, it got decimated. I mean, it decimated the crown fleet in our test game, but if I proved that you basically point at an airship and it explodes. So I thought, I could work with this. This is fun. Attrition is fun. So I got everything painted up just about, and I just kept testing stuff out. The biggest decision that I had to come up on was the Bavarians, because their flagship... Uh, option the Nuremberg's can come in from uh, unexpected arrival so at first my my first thought was just to go with the uh long range torpedoes or not long range but th- just the torpedoes so they could hang in the back while all the little ships ran to their doom and but i realized between the fact that it could take escorts and the bavarian buddy bonus their crippled value isn't terrible with the sternbringers. so i had i tested that out for a while and now just doing both just three flagship groups in my fleet and i just from day 1 everyone everyone pretty much knew it was coming i did probably across the different variations i at least 12 to 18 games i faced just about every faction that the game has in my testing as well so i had a really good idea of how it would perform or its capabilities i should say
0: because the fact you got your, you of course as with all tournaments you publish your lists um, before the tournament so everyone can see why, well, but you publish yours really early and everyone could see, this is what's coming and it gave people chances to design lists that would counter it, or not as the some cases may be. And when I saw your list, I was like, oh that's strong, oh that's nasty. <laughs> that was my first thought when I saw your list. I was like, oh that that's a favourite for winning that one
3: it is definitely a competitive list i don't think it's an out overpowered list by no, any means i don't think it's it overpowered is, but it is it's, competitive
0: it's def- yeah that's that's the phrase i'm looking for it's not overpowered it is it is beatable it, by punching you early you did give everyone a chance to go right how am i dealing with this
2: there was there was a couple of people so the way i did my tournaments is all the matchups were random the only mm-hmm. intervention i ever took place was making sure that you the same two people didn't fight multiple rounds with it being such a small tournament um,
1: playing
2: the same person is kind of lame so I've got Richard and I, I draw his first match and it's my blood brother Nick the enlightened whale where he's swung all the way into Citation based supremacy. I'm like, oh, that's gonna hurt. <laughs> my heart died <laughs> a little bit as I throw my blood brother headlong into this blimp horror show. Yeah.
3: I was so excited when I saw the pairings. <laughs> that
2: was that was a rough start. <laughs> I could break, him man.
0: I could have broke.
2: <laughs> I could have.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, I. We played a game a couple of weeks ago and just playing against the Ipacia with the chrono generator and it just kept coming back to life constantly and that almost broke me completely. <laughs> <Yep>. So, <laughs>
0: To be fair, by the end of the game, it was my only ship I had left. You'd killed everything else.
2: <laughs> yes, but it, it would not die and that was... Oh, man. There was a suspiciously large amount of Enlightened at the, at the uh, tournament. I was genuinely surprised by the final headcount we have the best ships that's why I, I mean, <laughs> my joke was the only because re- stewart asked about that is you know how come there's not commonwealth represented and my positation was well because the commonwealth is not plague everyone felt comfortable and safe enough to come out and stick their toes in the water <laughs>
0: was my counter-argument for that, They soon how many lightened this was and thought, maybe we're going to get a little revenge. Yeah. The, the Commonwealth was represented. Did somebody bring Black Wolf? Uh,
2: what The person them... who was going to head going to, to... Kids oh, at the last second. That was it. Yeah, yeah, that was the it. unholy combination of sultanate portal shenanigans, and a Black Wolf sky drill showing up and rooting anything Oof. adjacent to a good day. <laughs> that... that... <laughs> That, oh, you've got to
0: you've got to pl- have a go at that, Richard. At one time, <laughs> get back to that race. That sounds that sounds carnage.
3: I've I've fought a sky. We proxied me and Calvin the uh, the sky drill before, and <laughs> once crippled sky drill touched a zeppelin and nearly and crippled it in one go. That was horrifying. Yep.
0: I love Commonwealth drills. The Katanga class is easily my favorite on the board. It just destroys everything it touches.
3: They look fantastic. It doesn't get much more dystopian than a giant hovering drill. My, that's my, my Like, who thought that up as a weapon concept and was like, yes.
2: Well, <laughs> it, for, for as interesting it is, it is a boring weapon.
3: Uh, but... There's no minerals in the clouds. <laughs> Not
2: with that <laughs> attitude, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, the cool part about that whole drill class of ships is... They are wonderful mind game tools. They look scary and they draw a lot of fire so that your bread and butter units or your Moskva can do the work that they need while everyone's worrying about the big scary drills. And sometimes they even get into rage and really put a hurting on people. Yeah, psychological warfare. Absolutely. It.
3: It's a big part of the game.
2: For psychological warfare, I was playing friend of the show, uh, Admiral Wakefield, a uh, crown player. And I'm trying to get into his head because he wants to prep for tournament, so I'm trying to, like, stress test him. So I looked him square in the eyes and I flossed like it was going out of fashion. (laughs) (laughs) It threw him off his game enough (laughs) where I forced an error and we moved on.
0: (laughs) He flossed aggressively aggressively at me, sir. (laughs)
2: That was the uh, gentleman who took second place. So I'd like to imagine the tempering of flossing had him end up as a fantastic opponent. Okay. Uh, Right then. Let's get to the actual day of the tournament.
0: It's all set up. And the first rounds are drawn. So let's go through your round by round. Your first round was it the lightning in the bottle matchup the first one?
3: Yes. Yes.
0: So you had, as I said, you had your opponent with all whale boats, which probably didn't go well. How did it go around the other tables? How did they find the, the whole lightning storms and, the, and all the extra shenanigans you'd stuck into that? How did, did you have any cool moments from that game?
3: One of the Enlightened players had fantastic luck immediately into, I think it was round one of the game, he tried to ted his Archimedes, didn't realize the support ship wasn't within its three-inch bubble for the reroll blanks, Ooh. and just poofed it into oblivion. Like, it was one of the very first actions of the game, and his flagship was already gone. <laughs> I love ted. That,
0: that happened to me when we were playing Scott. I, I thought, right, i are just going to ted my lovelaces for no reason, and even though I had the rerolls, gone. Ah, oh, three lovelaces, just gone. Okay.
2: Yeah. So the first <laughs> first round matchups were Union versus Alliance, Crown versus Imperium, which was not Richard. Enlightened versus Imperium, who was Richard's game. Sultanate versus Empire, and then Enlightened versus Enlightened. Uh, Alliance had a really rough day on uh, on that day. The Unfortunately, due to time constraints and folk coming all the way up from the neighboring states, we couldn't stay out until like midnight 30. And Alliance does tend to suffer if they can't strategically reserve.
3: We had the Empire vs. Sultanate game that was happening adjacent to me, and that was a bloody brawl reserves and counter reserves coming in. And I believe the Sultanate player did win. The Sultanate player had phenomenal luck in most of his games where he would be able to score like six to five victory points off his hand
2: multiple rounds and just ran away with uh, the VP. Jimmy is an incredibly skilled player. Uh, That's the Sultanate person. He ended up round one with five tournament points and nine victory points. Tournament points being you get five points for winning, three points for tying and one point for losing. And then the victory points is just a running kind of total tiebreaker throughout the day. Uh, Poor uh, Nick, the person that Richard brutalized went uh, one and zero. Did not have a chance to even think about an objective for more than three consecutive seconds before he got just beaten to death. Ouch.
0: He brought a knife to a gunfight.
3: <laughs> well, when I walked up, he knew exactly what he was facing. I put up my hand, and I apologized and told him, this is Calvin's fault. <laughs> 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 and then uh, we had a good laugh. He was a, He's a fairly new player, so I did kind of help him with some of the planning and strategy and the do's and don'ts. It kind of went over our game with him, See, so, you now we had time. And he was—he uh, had very good spirits. He knew it was a risk. He knew I, the all air list was going to be present, and he knew there was a chance he might have to fight it. He just hoped
2: it wouldn't happen. Nick's, Nick's a fantastic sport. We've been close since middle school, and he is consistently a joy to play with. That's what you want.
0: You've got to lose with a smile. That, if you can't do that, you shouldn't be playing tournaments or like, anything.
2: And maybe it's just because I don't run Imperium, but even with the war host benefit of being able to cheat on like ten percent of your dice rolls, I I was having a rough go at his list. What no, no one knows no no one else knows about the war host thing? Never mind, no no don't, don't don't worry about it. That's, that's no, we, don't, we
0: don't talk about that on, we don't talk on, on about live. It. We don't talk, yeah, oh, Scott's oh. Scott's not a war host, I haven't told him.
1: <laughs> Everything makes sense now. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't cheat on my dice rolls. I just fudge yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm.
1: I'm not going to lie. There have been times where I've used Sam's deck because I've forgotten to bring mine, and I swear that he's <laughs> shuffled awful. it in a particular order. Oh, that
0: guy. I- that was a Wild West Exodus game. It was so bad for you. The card just came out one, 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 two. <laughs> I
2: was like, I'm sorry, I did shuffle it. <laughs> As a valor effect, you can hand your opponent five VPs and an apology note. This is a bad card. <laughs> the
1: felt tip on the edge of the card was a bit suspicious, but I, I let it go.
2: <laughs> Why is it Rip McCrea? <laughs> And why is dystopian spelled wrong? What's going on here? There's not enough use in there for it to be a British spelling. What's going on here?
1: (laughs) I will say, before we move on to the next round, so we spoke to Chris at UK Games Expo, and we sort of asked him how everything went, and we had a little bit of discussion. We'll go into a little bit more later but one of the things I remember him saying very clearly was when we said oh you know did you see the game of the whales versus the airships and he just shook his head and he went oh yeah that was brutal (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and he did say we are looking
2: at um, slightly nerfing all air fleets so even just having the whales have a free willy valor effect could be huge Mm. yeah
0: what we want? We want to do the Austin Powers. They need freaking lasers there on their go. frickin' foreheads. That's what we need. <laughs> it shoots up the anti-air whale. So round two was the Amber submersible, which that was easily my favourite <laughs> title you came up with when we when you when you put on. This is what I'm thinking. And we just started making yellow submarine jokes. It was just inevitable. It was going to be that. But yeah, that was a that is a really cool idea for a scenario. Chasing the moving target as it puddles around the board, and you try and get hold of it. So how did that one play out? Everyone, for everyone?
2: seemed to have a lot of fun with it. Um, there was some early assaults with uh, whales oh. running into it first thing, but as a whole, it was the way that forces were split up. Where some people went directly for it, where it's I'm going to get the first couple of rounds and get that under my banner early, other people play the long game where they're going to risk their fleets and swing all the way wide for it. Try and catch it at the end.
0: Which tactic do you think worked best? Or does it just uh, even being split? being
2: Imperium.
3: <laughs> well, I can tell you what I did. Because it started on the middle of the table edge, on the short side, I basically just had all my forces staggered in a row. So turn one, I had my fastest unit, the, the Jaeger Fast Destroyers, got right up on it, turn one, assaulted it, took it. Then turn two, when it moved its, I think, 14 inches into more of the middle, the next unit was able to just move right on top of it and continue to hold it. As the uh, I fought the Alliance player, he moved in and counter-assaulted and took it for its part of the turn and it went back and forth a couple of times. Yeah, the, um... but I basically just accounted for its movement, placed uh, place forces where it was going to end up.
2: For context, let me read off the what the victory point allotment was for doing cool tournament things. You got 3 VP for being the faction to occupy it at the end of the game, and then 1 VP for each round that ends with your faction controlling the submersible. For context, of the top 3 players, 4 VP in that game, first place was Jimmy the Sultanate player with 28, Brush King with 27, and third place was Nick with 11. Whoa. So the, the submarine saw some action. <laughs>
3: fun fact, despite all the playtesting that we did, the tournament was the first time I played that scenario. Because <laughs> every time we'd set up, I'd look at it and be like, there's too much reading involved to figure out how this scenario plays. <laughs> so i just go play one of the other two. <laughs> I'm like, I'll figure it out on the day of.
0: Like, works out alright for you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, there was a bit more reading involved, and I think if I ever, would I make like a version 2.0, like patch noted thing I've got a couple ideas how I would update it but I I thought the tug of war over the sub was led to multiple interesting game experiences where it's not just a I assault it now I have it then you assault it and now you have it it's I assault to occupy you counter assault to remove that occupation, and then eventually swing the needle towards you. It's like a like a tug of war kind of scenario, and that led to a lot of interesting. Just everyone seemed to have fun with it, which was a huge relief for me.
0: <laughs> I really like that mechanic because it's not just a case of assault, so, so, assault, so. assault. It's pulling it back on an, on a dial, going from one side to the other. It's a nice, it's a nice mechanic, and I think that could work in other scenarios like this, where it's it's not just a simple you control it, how much you control. I think we could bring that. To-
2: the biggest thing I happy that I added. This was a very late add, was capping the total amount that it can be crewed, so you can no, you can never have more than ten crew uh-huh. or ten hold on the sub at any time because at that point you're rolling you're rolling 10 dice at max to defend it Yeah, and if you get beyond that outside of, you know, a hyper-focused Lamarckian Barracks with Fury Generator and a Valor card, you're really not going to dislodge that
0: Yeah, that, that that's important because you've got to have the chance to get it and, and I mean, from a storyline point of view, there's only so many people you can shove into a submarine before it
2: gets a little impractical. Exactly. Yeah, and some of those some of the games, like the the ownership changed so often. It was a miracle you could get more people on before they slipped. Just, folks, Jackson Pollocked all over every conceivable bulkhead and wall <laughs> and... Folk had a good time and I, I was thrilled with that.
0: Three scenarios. The final scenario was the blockade run, wasn't it? As you said, yep. this is where you got a VIP hiding in one of the boats, capture the position, or run yours through to the other side to win. And as I said, so what was what were the tactics? Who was putting it in the big boats, who was putting it in the little boats?
2: It was a lot of, it was a fifty fifty max. There were folk who tried to squeeze it by with you know I think at least one person put it under a frigate. Oof, risk. (laughs) Uh, The person survived. Like, godspeed, they pulled it off. (laughs) Some of the folks I talked to kept it in their flagship explicitly for the durability factor. Uh, Richard, which one did you put it under? I
3: had it under one of Jaeger Aerial Destroyers, because they were you knew they were going to just go straight forward. So it wouldn't be any surprise of tactics if you saw one kind of do like an odd movement. And they move really fast. I mean, it started. It starts eight inches up because of deployment. And then it has it has a linear dash, so it moves, I think, like 17 inches, all things said and done. Maybe 16. I can't remember if that's uh, including the plus one speed valor or not. But they... Uh, they go fast mine did get off the table it happened to be the exact last one of the unit and i happened to save it from a uh, srs attack thanks to uh flak barrage off the zeppelin and it just it squeaked by and the it was hilarious because it was it was going and when he saw that it kept going straight instead of turning into the fight he had to have two little frigates or uh Two little destroyers. I can't remember exactly what uh, he had. Go and try and chase it down. So you had the one little aerial destroyer just going forward, and one surface destroyer chasing it. Both going really fast, and it it got off the table, which went much better than the play testing where I forgot which model I had marked. So I when I when I activated and I said, aha, I score these points, and I lifted the model up, and it didn't have the bit of tape under it, <laughs> and I went, oh no. <laughs>
2: I got the way up. Where is it? You messaged me about that, and I think I laughed for a solid five minutes. I, I had to have my opponent turn
3: around so I could figure out which <laughs> ship had it. What's
0: that, what's that Robin Williams sketch from Good Morning Vietnam? VIP is MIA, and we're all in the QP. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find your opponent's VIP, though? Or did he just get his off the table as well?
3: I got his off the table. I ended up tabling him. It ha- His uh, VIP happened to be one of the enlightened port ships. I don't know what it's called. But one of the ones that you can attach to just about mm-hmm. anything. So it was coming... It, it The ship he had attached to is Solomon, which died. And then it happened to just be in the furthest corner. And it took forever for it to kind of get into the battlefield, and when it happened to be the last ship left on the tables when I realized it was the VIP.
2: It was a hell of a game to watch, Richard. Like, I I did the tour to make sure everyone's doing well and all that such. I know both Chris and Stuart were watching your game with a lot of interest. They want The only
3: game I didn't notice them watching was my whale game, because I happened to be on the opposite side of the room, and I was right away in the day, and everyone was still settling in. My second game versus the Alliance player was directly next to where they were sitting, so I had I I noticed them staring at the table quite a lot, so I figured either they're just I I, it's just because of proximity or they are going to destroy my list in a couple of weeks. (laughs) But that last game definitely had a lot of people coming over to check it out. The table I was gonna decide the winner of the tournament.
2: And that was one of the interesting pieces of happenstance. I said before that all the tournament matchups are a random draw, with the caveat that you're not going to play the same person more than once. At the War Cradle's request, they asked how I was doing the last tournament, and I said it was going to be random draw. And they made the argument, which I eventually went with, that you should have the top-ranked players after round one and two play each other. That way, you don't have multiple people with three straight wins. Well the way it turned out, my random draw was superbly accurate and they were already playing each other anyway. So it all worked out in the end. <laughs> very lucky. Or <All> very intuitive. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah.
0: Well, let's uh, say your top seed should be
1: at the end, shouldn't they? That's how
0: it works. So that really has sounded like you basically had the perfect day.
3: Pretty much
0: at the end you'll add up the scores was there much deliberating over the scores was it a recount situation was it that Richard's
2: one <laughs> the final scores was Richard with 15 tournament points and 57 victory points second place was Wakefield our crown player 11 and 45 third place was Jimmy on our sultanate player that played Richard went 11 and 43. Bradster 11 and 28 with Imperium. JDAR 11 and 22 with the Nerds. Fuzzy Bunny 11 and 14 with the Nerds. Banjo was 11 and 13 with the Union. Toborone was 3 and 13 with the Celestial Empire. Nova, our Alliance player from Illinois, went 3 and 11, and then Shrimp our nerd player went 3-11 and 11 as well.
0: I'd like to object to being caught having Enlightened described as nerds, but at the same time, I really can't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Turbo Nerds of the South? thats
0: Turbo Nerd. That's what we are. Ah, <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the prizes are given out, and you had trophies made, which looked fantastic from the photos we saw. <laughs> I hope they come back next year for, and you start putting... Having people's names engraved on them for each year—that was gonna. They're just gonna be awesome. And then, of course, Stuart and Chris pull out their little surprise, and you've got secret sprues to pick from. Yep. Oh man, were we jealous when we saw those? <laughs> it's got like you're kidding me.
2: <laughs> that caught me six different kinds of off guard. I got the heads up that there would be additional sprue on site, and I. Wanted to play this close to the chest. Folk were aware of the cash prize, and folk were aware of the the uh, trophies since day one. Because, as anyone who's been on the Wisconsin League and by any other means the War Cradle Studios Discord, I was talking about those every third sentence, and everyone knew they were getting trophies. No one else knew that you were getting sprue for showing up, and that was. That was incredible. That was very exciting. Yeah,
0: He's, the war, the guys at warcraft are just so generous with this sort of thing. I wasn't surprised when I knew that when they when they, when we saw that they'd done that. I was like, that's that's totally what we'd expect uh, not expect, but, you know. But, it's, but it was so cool.
2: I got a cyclone of shadows box as a thank you gift, and they also bought me breakfast, and also bought the entire tournament group dinner afterwards, and. Wow. I... They also handed out the hex map from the Cyclone yes. campaign box to every
3: oh, player. That's cool.
2: They're very, very lovely people, and I'm glad that they were able to make the uh, trip out and that they still talked to me afterwards. They didn't um, <laughs> suddenly private their accounts <laughs> and blocked. <laughs> Never again. The running joke was um, no uh, uh, Susan Warcradle, I'm not going to go to Gen Con, because they might be there. You weren't there, you don't know. I don't want to risk it.
0: We were making similar jokes after the, the second game to Expo where we thought, oh, so I thought they're going to put restraining orders on us if we don't leave because <laughs> we just literally <laughs> hung out at the Wayland stand for like, not, not this year, the last time we went, we just hung out at the Wayland stand for almost the entire day. <laughs> we must have got must be sick of the sight of us by the time we finished. Okay, so... Now that the dust has settled, my first question is, are you doing it again next year?
2: We're doing it, actually, in six months. <laughs> um, Whoa! We're shooting for October-November for another tournament. And... We've got a... We're lining up venues, and we're still in the early drafting of it. We don't have a much beyond the intent, but I'm looking forward to it. And get some uh, navy action in before the holidays over here in the states.
0: And for anyone else thinking of running a tournament, what advice can you give them? That's the that's the
2: big one. The, What's the number one thing I need to stress is get other people on board. I will out myself. I was very excited to run this and this be my quote-unquote tournament. I was... I got a little lost in the sauce and I was like, nope, I can do this, I can do that, I can sculpt, I can paint, I can do X, Y, and Z, and everything will be fine. That's not how a good tournament is run. Having even one other person just to bounce ideas off of before you go live with a build is enormous the only reason this tournament happened was because the community in wisconsin is so accommodating it's a good group of lads and everyone's here to have a good time there's not a that guy in the group who's there to be a grognard and do stupid grognard things everyone was committed to playing everyone played everyone played fairly and everyone pulled their weight whether they were part of the tournament staff or host or anything else a- ask for help ask for you know just having one other set of hands on the game day makes a huge difference richard actually pulled a solid i was a minute and a half late to my own tournament because we had gotten stuck in traffic when i was chauffeuring the war cradles around I showed up. Richard had everyone already paired off. The tables were set. All I had to do was show up and start anxietying all over the place. <laughs> it is only because, like everyone in Wisconsin, is so accommodating that this went off without a hitch. And I am intensely grateful for everyone who did their part, whether it's with the tournament stress testing or hey the dropped clause on this sentence means you could do this. Is this intended? Or everyone's sudden part-time job of making sure the tournament organizer doesn't like stress himself out into the hospital as the days get increasingly close.
3: Calvin was very stressed. (laughs) A little bit. Put it lightly. Well,
0: from the outside it looked like you had everything under control. What's the analogy the swan isn't it as graceful on the top and paddling like hell underneath
2: <laughs> I um it's it's a lot about knowing, that what, knowing what kind of game you want to run like what kind of event are you here for is it just a group of guys chipping in a couple of bucks to redistribute or is this a nationals kind of thing we played it as a very casual tournament you got some cash money and all but it's mostly just here for the event So to get back all the way to what you were getting at three paragraphs ago, have a buddy, have a person who is not playing in the tournament there to just run gopher, offer ideas, bounce ideas off of, and don't be afraid to go public and engage your players with the development. Like write down all the missions you want to do, but if you're making something custom, Make sure it's brought up ahead of time so that people can stress test it and make sure that nothing that you have missed goes into final build. It takes a fleet to make a tournament, and that's the biggest thing I can stress.
3: Yeah, the, the testing part is huge because one of the first versions of the submersible scenario didn't clarify that anything could assault the submerged token because it was clarified that it was a submerged token, so... Yep you're kind of limited to ways to assault it, so Calvin had to uh, figure out how to manage that. What I was going to ask is, come October, do you think you'll be
1: doing just your own scenarios again, or do you think you're going to give the official tournament pack a go, or do you think you're going to do a mix of both and see how,
2: how it I would like to out? do a mix of both. The gnarliness that is the new Bloom Rules seems like a lot of fun. That's definitely going to play into factors, but I'm still... I, I do think I might crib one or two missions from the official pack. It is... I I really cannot recommend that book enough. Even if you're not necessarily playing to do a tournament, it has a lot of very good best practices in there.
0: It's a lot... I'm slowly plowing through it now, and it's a lot of fun. because The narrative parts that we've got in there are fantastic, but the Reading all the new stuff that's in there, they basically you think like, well, that's gonna, that's gonna change things around a bit. And I, I do like the bloom rules and the fog, of, the actual fog of war, and not being able to get your crits in until you, unless you can be seen and so forth, and uh, you yeah, know that risk of do I shoot first, do I hold it? I love it. It is there's so much in there. I cannot recommend getting a copy of this enough to people because that is, it is a great box set. And you get some really and there's three platforms in there. And as we've just discovered, because I think is it Cohen who worked out that you can actually connect the platforms to the island. That's cool. Plug the.
1: Chris mentioned it on the on tabletop interview they did at UK Games Expo with him. He just mentioned it in passing that you can connect them up. So it's pretty yeah, it's pretty awesome. I did think it was worth mentioning. Like I said, we did go to uk games expo and we stopped by the War cradle stand and we spoke to chris and the first thing we asked him was uh, how did you find the tournament and his face <coughs> lit up and he was very enthusiastic and he went it was you know it was really great to see everybody getting involved with the game and, and then playing the game at a competitive level and, and having the you know tournament organized and and seeing everybody so enthused about playing the game and and just to see it played out in the world because obviously they they do the playtesting and stuff and they see stuff on Facebook but actually getting out there they were really both him and Stuart he said were really like really, really happy to see it all go down and really enjoyed attending. I'm so. just
2: pleased as punch that the first tournament I ever ran went this smoothly. I was relieved at the end of the day and was incredibly grateful I had. I ended up getting a hotel room with my blood brother near the AO just to... It's going to be a long day, figured just zonk off in a uh, hotel room so I'm not driving on two and a half hours of sleep. <clears throat> I think I was unconscious... In under ten minutes after hitting the pillow, <laughs> <laughs> it was an event, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. It it was a lot of fun. Everyone seemed to have a good time with it, and I, I I would recommend doing it any day of the week. And if you guys ever end up in Wisconsin, you're obviously more than welcome to show up.
0: One day, one day I'll do that road trip. I've promised myself over America. <laughs> I promised myself one day when I'm old enough. Get well, retired probably. Get go on those big ass what do you call them? Winnebago's? And just starting in New York and just go and see where I can go. Uh, one day I want to do that and I will definitely pass, pass into one and I'll be pl- playing as many games as I can because I'll bring all my models with me. Fun explaining that to customs. Why have you got all these in here? Well, it's a game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the cool part about being in the Madison area is there is, if you can think of a food it exists, likely in more than two different stores, and possibly fried. As the place that invented cheese and invented cows that later exported <laughs> them to the world, we have this stuff nailed so if you enjoy cheese we can we, we can show you worlds of cheese that you haven't even dreamed of i'm just
0: googling flights to wisconsin now hang on <laughs> sounds sounds fantastic
2: except for spray cheese
1: sam's only recently discovered this fact of... i didn't
0: think it was a real thing i'd heard of it i'd seen it in mirror thought that's nah, just a joke product isn't it it's not actually something oh, you can
1: eat, eat.
2: <laughs> You can Delicious. eat anything once, Sam. <laughs> um, no, spray, spray cheese is great. It goes really good on like a nice Philly cheesesteak. or beef jerky. Or beef jerky.
0: I'm gonna have to see if we could, if they sell it. Some, somebody must sell it in Britain. I have to try this now because that's just the that's got to be done.
1: Unboxing video coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'd
0: like to thank both of you for coming and talking to us, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much, and we look forward to talking to you both again soon. Yeah.
2: Thank you for having us. It's always a blast being on. Thanks for having us, and I, I do this again in a heartbeat. And I hope you will let me out of the basement now, Sam. This is two episodes. I will have you out back in your pit. <laughs> uh, it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks very much for for joining us. It's really great to see the tournament scene flourishing over in Wisconsin, hopefully. We'll see it more everywhere else now as well. Follow a great example.
3: Thanks if for that. Uh, we're more than happy to be the dystopian capital of the competitive scene.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah, a like good that. way to
3: describe your area at the minute, to yeah, be honest.
2: I, I'm not trying to come off as pompous, but if anyone wants to run a tournament, if you've... Like, my DMs are always open if you've got questions or even looking for semi-coherent ramblings. My DMs are always open if anyone's got questions. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: And we'll move on to the news. From the pages of the Interbellum Illuminator, the latest field intel. Okay. News time. We haven't covered the news for two months because we had a bit of a mistiming with when the Mayville Supremacy was actually taking place. So we missed it slightly. So rather than going back and doing a whole long two months, three month segment of news stuff, we are going to do a brief three words or fewer summary on the releases that came out in the past couple of months. I think we will kick off with the Hachiman box set. Oh, yes. So, for me, it's a pretty easy three words giant freaking laser.
0: <laughs> Mine were going to be, my, my three words are going to be something along those lines as well. Uh, how am I going to put this now? Yeah. Versatile, amazing. Detailed, it just uh, there's not a bad build there. All three builds are fantastic looking, yeah. Even if you consider the standard four gun battleship, I mean, not, you know, that's now becoming the standard, isn't it? The mass fire, the four gun that's that's just so cool looking. But for me, yeah, the the uh Matsumoto version with massive laser on it, I want so much, so cool.
1: yeah. Alright, next one is going to be the Gloriana. I'll let you go first this time.
0: The Gloriana. Epic British grandeur. That's it. Nice. It's Britain with all the brass knobs on this. It's everything we expect from the crown turned up to 11.
1: (laughs) Her Majesty's Fortress. Her Majesty's Fortress. It is just a giant floating... Fortress, it is that we saw it for the first time in person at UK Games Expo, and the thing is massive. Not quite as big as the Death Donut, but it's still pretty big.
0: Yeah, that is an impressive chunk of resin sitting on your table.
1: Yep. Uh, so after that is going to be the Cyclone of Shadows. Do not miss.
0: Oh, that's good. That's very good.
1: Excitement
0: long awaiting. Wait, that doesn't make sense as a certain... Uh...
1: Long-awaited excitement.
0: Long-awaited excitement, that's better, yes. That's actually a sentence and everything. So yes, this is definitely long-awaited excitement.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got mine coming soon. Now I've got everything sorted with my personal life. So mine should be arriving next week, maybe. So yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into that and uh, cracking on with the... Scenery piece as well because I don't have any platforms yet, so I'm going to be interested to see how they build up.
0: They're really easy to build up. You don't, glue, you hardly glue anything in. You literally just glue the struts on the bottom, and then everything else you just put in as you need them. The guns, the little, I, I, I mean, you could glue some of the like turret, small guns in, and the little scenery bits like the, the barracks and the electro vault towers, but you don't need to. Mm. The more you leave it, the more versatile it is. You start putting them next to each other, and you start putting more platforms next to each other, it just becomes a massive city. It's great. Yep. Which neatly brings us on to one of the others later, where they've actually released them separately.
1: Yeah. Next up is the Alexive.
0: Okay, I'm going with this one. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Saw that at UK Games Expo as well, and it was proper jaw-droppingly big. It was like,
1: oh, Wow. Uh, right, my three words. Alexive. Caspian Sea Colossus.
0: Oh, that's a good one as well.
1: Seeing it at Games Expo is just like, holy crap. We'll come on to it a little bit later, but comparing that to something else that's coming out this month, like, that thing's going to be friggin lethal. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute.
0: <coughs> I think they should start putting... The, you know, they show you the static model, the photos. Yeah it's always on a white background, We've no idea the scale. They need to start putting a cut off or something next to it. You know, this is this is a cut off. This is your standard for scale. This is what it looks like next to all of our models. Yep.
1: I think that even if it's just next to a piece of one of the terrain that you get in the islands and archipelagos, or the yep. Cyclone and Shadows box, at least you have a rough idea of of size versus that.
0: Yeah, it's like in Wild West Exodus. Their unit of measurement is a Bass Reeves. Yeah. We need a unit, a scale, unit of measurement. Here's a cut solve, or here's a you know a standard cruiser. This is what it looks like next to it. Yeah,
1: definitely. Right, the last of the releases that have been more than a month is the Order Exemplar Squads box. Very pretty ships.
0: Nasty little so and so's. <laughs> That's what I'm calling them. I don't want to face those in a hurry. God no. <laughs> those are nasty. They are very pretty. They are. I, I do. I like the whole put resin on the plastic boats and make them into something new, new approach to this. And I think they're very pretty boats. But I do not want to face
1: those on, a, on a, in a table anytime soon. No, definitely not. All the portal shenanigans that they bring along with them is a no thank you from me.
0: But hey, well, yeah. at least until you get the fleet, then it's going to be a yes please. Thank you won't. Um...
1: Alliance will be before it for certain, if I do cave and get another fleet, but we will see. Right, that is all the previous stuff we've covered, so now we're going to do June's releases. Mm -hmm. So we're we're caught up.
0: So the latest scenic has been released, it's the Miskum Town set. It's wonderfully detailed, again, as you expect from these scenics, we, we know how good they are. It's not strictly Wild West Exodus, of course. It is intended for mythos. But it could easily be used for Wild West Exodus. It's an East Coast sort of place. Its look is only a few years further on. It would fit right in as an East Coast town. You could easily see some of the more urbane posses in here. Infernal Investigations mooching around this. Soul Hunters mooching around this easily. Yeah, um, I love it. It's a, it's a great looking set.
1: Yeah, that little firehouse with the Soul Hunters, is it? Perfect. You can't yeah. um, can't go wrong with that. And now they're in Mythos. That's doable as well. So yeah, I really, really, really like this set. I can just see it, like with a, a cobblestone mat under it and some like of the fog effect while you play on it, and it'd be really atmospheric and spooky looking.
0: Let's be honest. There's been there's not been a single scenic set that's come out that we've thought we didn't want. No. It's Purely, the only reason we haven't got all of them is financial reasons and, and space. space, yeah, and space as well. They, what I mean, these should be winning awards,
1: yeah. Absolutely. I haven't,
0: there's nothing even coming close to what these guys do with this. No
1: there was video released by MS Paints on YouTube very recently and he went down to War Cradle to see how they were designed and made and stuff that was really interesting to see it's I only- loved
0: that video it was a great behind the scenes video and seeing some of the other faces that work at War Cradle and how how this is done yeah how the, it's all etched and punched and so on and it was fas- absolutely fascinating
1: yeah it was really interesting really cool. The fact that there's only two guys like, give those two guys I don't know, give them gold stars or something because amazing work for for the quality and the, the designs they're just stunning and awesome
0: So we'd like to give a shout out to Taylor and Tyler down in the Scenics department because man we love your work we really do guys, yep. thanks so much for making
1: it. Yep, really good stuff more watchers train though just saying <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely more watches terrain
1: yeah again like it will be I assume it will be all made separately available eventually because
0: next month probably you'll start yeah. be able to buy in- in bits that's the usual war right way.
1: yeah because I think like buy buy one of these sets and then maybe buy an extra houses set and then maybe a couple of bits from one of the Dunsmith sets to flash out a Towny sort of table would work pretty well, right? So,
0: okay, so next up release is the Commonwealth Advanced Squadrons. You can finally get the giant nutso sky drill in its own little squadron pack without having to break the bank to get more of them, as well as a couple of uh, the hovercraft as well. We've seen these models already, they've been out for a while, but god, if you're a Commonwealth player, you just cannot get enough of these. All three builds are fantastic. They all bring something different to the table, and of course, you've got the extremely versatile hovercraft, where you can swap the bridges around with between the two hovercraft and with the boyars and the ruins, and make a, a bewildering variety of different hovercraft. I love the, I love the Commonwealth. Stuff. I really do. That's why they, that's why they're my second team.
1: Yep, the aerial stuff is probably at the minute. My favourite of all the aerial stuff that's out, like the Crown, is pretty good. The predains are nice, and the Zeppelins are, are nice, but they don't have just this insane sort of real mad science ness to about them. Yeah, I mean, we'll this get on is to... the
0: dystopian age. This is what the dystopian age looks like.
1: Yeah. We'll get to it in a second, but there is something coming that I definitely think is now possibly going to topple these as favourite flying units in the game, but uh, talk about that shortly. Yeah, I mean, it's good that you can now get these and fill out units properly and get more hovercrafts for next year when the landing stuff's come in. so... And they fit in an Alexa. So even better.
0: Skydrills for the win. Sky drills. The Saran's coming a close second. <laughs> simply because who doesn't want to reverse Napalm Dropper?
1: Yeah. So platforms are now also going to be made available with all the nice little tokens for minefields and debris, which is something that people have wanted for a while because people didn't want to buy beyond Stygenium Skies or beyond Humph Prometheus. Uh-huh. Or if you didn't pick up Cyclone of Shadows, that's your... Lost to be frank.
0: Yeah, to explain why Warcrate why have they waited so long to bring these out separately? Is because they knew they had Cyclone coming. Because if we'd all gone out and bought these three months ago, that would hurt Cyclone sales. So that's why they've done it this way. Now that we, they've released all the boxes, that's going to have that out. Now they can release them separately. So if you didn't pick those up for whatever reason, you fool. <laughs> Buy it! Buy Cyclone! Um, you can now buy them separately. If you want more of these, you can buy them separately. And as I said, I've got currently... Well, I've got three... I haven't built my three in the Cyclone yet, but the two I've got are you can just... Just with two, you can just make a massive floating platform and kit out your own armaments on it. These are brilliant. And they're a bitbox stream. There's just so many cranes and little bits in them. If you're into modding your ships, there's just a million little bits in here for that.
1: Yep, Absolutely right so the new new stuff the Minerva so I think this is one of the oldest pieces of art that we had in our concept art fold of dystopian wars that was still there and it's now gone I think the only other thing that's left there is the assault carrier for the Scandinavians
0: now and we've seen the sprue that comes with that
1: yeah <laughs> so that can't be too far away, hopefully. But this is... There's been some unboxings so far. I think Straw from Battlehammer and Lee Marshall from Forge of Mars has unboxed it as well, and it is a honking great chunk of resin compared to other stuff. The Twin hull is really nice. Do
0: you know what I found interesting? Actually seeing it for real, because the concept art, when I looked at it, I always thought, is it like a triple thing? Because we could only, the contact art was just from one side, so you see the, mm. the ship bit and the deck bit. And I was wondering, is there another ship bit on the other side or not? No, it's a double deck like this, yep. how it is. And that's a great design. It's a lovely It's day. just different. Because it, like, it literally looks does look like two ships strapped together, but at the same time, it's got a cohesive whole. Yep. It's a brilliant piece of design work by the guys at War Cradle here. Taking Roberto's original drawing and then just making this real. It's fantastic. I can't wait to see this one on the table. We've I mean we've seen some scale shots of it. A few people have put it next to some other boats and wow. Yeah. With the mass four and fives are here, and they are
1: big. Mm. Yep, like surprisingly ginormous. And it doesn't look inelegant in its size either. It still looks like a Italian sleek. Sweeping gondola style design on it, and it just yeah,
0: there is definitely an I think I like that. elegant, that's a way to describe the Italian ones. It's really nice,
1: and, and the fighter on top of the deck looks really cool as well. Mm-hmm. There's some new gun turrets, maybe
0: not just that. You have we, we talk about the Minerva, but the sprue that you get with it's pretty good as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we already know about the frontline sprue. Mm -hmm. But now getting these new support squadron sprues, like you've got the Scorpio, the Vulcan, the Jupiter, and then you've got the... The as well? Yep. The submarines, just really, really nice. Jupiter, I like the look
0: of very much. The Sagittarius submarine is lovely. It's nice and long. Yep. And then you've got this... The rules for this thing are terrifying. The Scorpio, with blister. In an age of magnetic railguns and laser cannons, the Italians are bringing a giant blooming crossbow and it's devastating.
1: Yep. It's <laughs> insane. But also very, very cool. I, I'm i not going to lie, this is almost pushing me over the edge on a third fleet. Alliance start set and then this set for backing it yeah. up. It's, it's
0: both me and me. Both, we, but we've got the we've basically got the, that Palpatine quote, "Do it" in our heads, haven't we? You, you for Alliance, me for Empire. We're going we'll have to we'll have to make a pact and we take the plunge together. Okay, I'm going We just have to go right. We're doing it. We get a starter set and a fleet set each. So I'll get the Empire starter set, and unless someone else has come out, I'll probably get the Hatchiman set to go along with that.
1: I wonder if this is blue sky thinking here. I wonder if we could kick off a escalation league at Elite Gaming sort of Mm -hmm. say, hey, buy a starter box, bring it down and and paint and we'll play at this level first and then this level next and then you can buy whatever you want afterwards and just slowly, month after month, escalate it.
0: We could, because when I took Dystopian Wars with Oliver and... We got a lot of interest. Mm. What's this? That's interesting, etc. Yeah,
1: I think that's when we go next time. See yeah. see when their gaming night is and if it's something we can arrange with the owners and be like, here, you know, if you're happy to support us doing this, we'll come and help run it. Yeah, well. that'd be great.
0: We'd have to do that.
1: And then that gives us an excuse to buy a new fleet. <laughs> I like the little destroyer as well, the Pugio. Pugio? Yep, yeah, they're uh, very sweet little things. Mm. Right, so finally. What's well, been a bit of a surprise for everybody, but quite a s- pleasant surprise at that is the Thor Battle Fleet for the Enlightened is coming out already.
0: It is. Uh took I think it took everybody by surprise. It's now this is one of those cases where the we've definitely decided that the official photos of them on those white backgrounds does not always do it justice. Because we saw the I'm, I was guilty of this. I saw the, the photos on the white background, and I was like, I know I'm going to get it, but I'm slightly underwhelmed. Just ever slightly, I thought. Because you couldn't see the differences, because the photos are from the top. The thing with the full Battlefleet, all the differences in the classes is on the bottom. Is what you mounted to the bottom of all that counts. So I was a bit underwhelmed, and then I think Stuart must have noticed there was a bit... The buzz wasn't quite... Because so, then he fo- posted a photo of the sprue, and all of a sudden like, holy cow, that's awesome! Because it is. Yep. And then, you know, about this steamroll, people are just so excited about this, I think. I've pre-ordered it. Uh, I'm waiting on it. I'm slightly jealous that Darren got his 1st <laughs> No I'm having to wait. It's my own fault. I didn't order fast enough. <laughs> I didn't, didn't get it. But I'm so excited for these. They are gorgeous looking. They're flying saucers, uh, and of course, the, hu- the Thul itself is the huge double-decker flying saucer with strong Cylon-based star vibes. And I, I did I googled this before I before I did this. The meaning of Thul. Now, when Warcredible name things, they never just pick this out of thin air. These words. So I looked at Thul. Thule was the ancient Greek and Latin name for the edge of the world, and thule, the phrase Thule Ultima or Ultima Thule meant beyond the edge. So, by calling these Thule, we're saying these are from beyond. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Tip my hat to whoever's, whoever came up with that one. What do you think? It was either Chris or Stuart that came up with a name for that one? What do you think? Yeah. Ah, uh, so good. Uh, we've seen photos of the sprues now. We've seen a fo- few photos of them built. Good grief, they're enormous. Uh, they're a proper handful in your hand. Can't wait to have them. Oh, 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 oh. I'm interested to see what the Orbat's the Orbat update that we're expecting is going to do for them. I mean, the stats they've got already are already pretty tasty. So it'd be interesting to see what if they get tweaked in any way, shape, or form. I'm also interested how easy it's going to be to swap round the bottom guns, because that's basically the differences in the different classes, what you load out the bottom with. Yep. And with the turret being mounted on the bottom, it's the turret's held on with a ring. I'm wondering how easy it's going to be to get a ring on, off, and on, with some magnets probably, so you can swap the bottom turret round. If not, well, I'll just glue it in there and buy more. Oh, what a shame, I'll have to buy more.
1: I mean you're gonna end up with a lot of the smaller saucers, which isn't well a that's
0: thing. the same in anything. You get a lot of, you end up with a lot of frigates as well, but there's a, there's two different classes of so- small saucer. Yeah. Uh they've got there's one with the radar dish and one without.
1: They are really nice little saucers as well. The uh-huh. Euclids and Pythias.
0: Yeah. Which one's got the saucer on it? The uh radar the Pythias has the radar dish, that's it, yeah. So yep. if you look at the official photo; you can just see the bot- the radar dish poking out the bottom, yep. and the east lid doesn't.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really, really nice set. I can't wait for you to get these, just so I can see what they're like in the flesh, because it's one of those things that is going to be much better in person than it is in the renders. For certain, like there's yeah. no no dispute in it because just seeing the sprues has made it ten times better than it was for most people I mean I quite yeah. like them anyway but seeing the sprues seeing the little uh, options and some of the cool you've got like the x-ray cannon yeah that looks really cool as well like it's it's just been really well designed the whole thing and the weapons systems for it yeah
0: again, again I think this is one of the reasons you if they start doing these they need to start putting up, like I said a, a cuts off or something next to them so you can actually see them for scale yeah That was the other thing. You couldn't really tell how big was the thul until we saw that screw and realized that it's the size of your hand.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's very nice. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. That's everything that's being released in June. So not that far. Depending on when this comes out, only a couple of weeks. But uh, really, really nice. Everything as per usual. A couple of other things we wanted to talk about. Both myself and Sam were at. UK Games Expo at the start of the month. We sort of went last minute on the Friday and we spoke to Chris and Daz and Parker from War Cradle.
0: And a good time was had by all I think it's fair to say.
1: Yeah. Great day. It was. It was a nice day. Um, Literally it was very very sunny outside.
3: Hmm.
0: Not that you can tell that when you're in the NEC. It's a kind of weird twilight world when you're in the halls. Yeah. You get out like, what time is it? <laughs>
1: yes, it was. It was um, quite weird because it's air conditioning as well. So you suddenly would go, yeah, it's quite warm out here. We obviously posted some photos up to the lounge that uh, stuff that was in the cabinets. Which was the flying fortress for the Empire?
0: Zando, I think it's called.
1: I couldn't tell you that, and all that in front of me. But yeah, and four of those together would make a.
0: Well, that uh, four of those together makes a Zando, and I can't think what the individual bits are for. Ah, right,
1: okay. And we saw the Sultanate flyer that's going to come at some point because they're all in test moldings.
0: Yes, they were in the. I love the yellow resin which says, "This is the only one we've got. Don't yeah. touch."
1: Then we had the.
0: We saw some of the Union stuff. The Union submarine was on display. There was a small crane sort of boat, but we couldn't determine what it was. Faction, so it may be a factionless boat, which are tied to the Titan thing that we saw.
1: It's the Union airship.
0: Yes, they got the Republic, or possibly the Republic, or another one. We couldn't work out which classic was.
1: Yes. There's two Union airships. Yeah. I mean it's gonna be a big chunky one as well because that wasn't exactly massive. But and then there was the Titan, which was. Yeah.
0: That got a lot of people talking.
1: Yeah. Someone posted in the Discord saying that they had spoken to somebody at the War Cradle stand. They didn't know who it was, but they had said that it's something that's coming in the two-player starter set. So the other thing is Chris mentioned in an on tabletop interview that there is a plan for the end of this year for another two-player starter set to come out. which
0: Involving two unused, in two-player start sets, factions, which is
1: one of four.
2: Yep. Two of four, sorry.
1: So it's going to be interesting to see what those two are, but this is apparently going to be a part of that somehow. So that's maybe an objective. Maybe it's like a uh, civilian fleet of some kind, like a um, mm-hmm. conscript
0: that's yeah, definitely. could be a hospital ship, could be yep. anything. Apparently, there are there's going to be three alternate builds for it. There's a mentioned of a oil tanker. What we can see here, the Titan, which is a passenger ship, and there was a, another one, some sort of supply ship. Mm. I think it said yep. like a cargo ship. So it's going to have. It's going to be interesting. I mean, oh, clearly it's Titanic inspiration, yep. uh, which points towards Crown. I'd suppose, but it's. You know it looks like it could be any faction, it doesn't look like a crown flyer because it's clearly Levant in in moving because it doesn't have the big rotors on the side like the Avalon's and the Pridanes. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with that. And it's gonna, if it is going to be civilian, that's going to open up a new dimension your escort duties and so on and so forth. Yeah, Kobayashi Maru scenario,
1: yeah, no win scenario.
0: Somebody's going to do that. (laughs) Go rescue the passenger ship and portals start turning up and out comes the Sultanate. No way. (laughs) Dump the war core. No, different different universe.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be really interesting. I imagine a lot of people speculated when they heard the news and a lot of the talk was Empire Union or... Alliance Sultanate, because they have in the background, especially in Cyclone of Shadows campaign book, apparently Empire and Union are quite um, at each other's throats. So, yeah, you read it.
0: You'll see what I mean, and um, the Alliance and the Sultanate are at each other's throats as well. However, as I point out, other combinations are possible because if you base it around South America. Pretty much any combination of those four is possible because they all have uh, territories in the South America. Yep. Empire holds what would be Argentina, mm-hmm. while um, the Alliance hold Brazil with the Susa. You've also got, obviously, you've got America there. And the Sultanate can be, if you once you've read Cyclone, I don't want to get spoilers away, but from the Cyclone of Shadows, it comes quite, Quite clear. Sultans have got quite a long range in certain aspects of where they can project their
1: power. Hmm. Interesting. I will. I will read that with bated breath. Yeah. Uh, another thing is, we're at, at this point we're currently expecting Orbats, which will contain updates for ships, and will also have some of the patrons in which linked yes. to the cyclone, the cyclone of Shadows. So mm-hmm. that is something else that everybody is very much looking forward to. And we're definitely going to... We might even do the next episode on the patrons, depending on if there's enough content there for it. But we'll see when those rules drop properly. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the way it looks at the minute, is going to be like, when you use a patron, you automatically hand one VP to your opponent... As a pen, as a handicap for using a patron, so if you both use patrons, it's all it's all square before you even start. But if one yeah. of them takes the gamble and doesn't use the patron for that bonus, you get a VP out of that. So that's an interesting tactical play: are you going to play the patron or are you not? And of course, each each faction at the moment has a choice of two patrons. Each faction has two a choice of two different dramatic personae from the thing. So that's sixteen of them. And you obviously they will have different effects of what they do for the fleet. Now, they're not, we're not talking game breakers here. They'll be in the same way that you get battle fleet bonuses. That's what they'll do in subtle ways. We're not, as i said, it's not going to be game breaking. It's just going to be a nice little edge, but not, nothing you can't not handle with, a, with another fleet.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Exciting times ahead for. Dystopian wars, <clears throat> and I think that's it from the UK Games Expo and news perspective.
0: Yeah, we had so, a lovely chat with Daz about how he does his painting. Yeah. That was pretty good, because he was talking about his airbrushing techniques and what he does with that, and uh, how how it all works. You know, we get put on his table. He's like, "Yep, yeah, paint those," and so on. And so, on. Uh, so it was really nice talking to Daz again because we've not seen him since 2019. Yeah. And catching them. Chris gave us a, a nice talk about what's going on and so forth and so on. Um, so, if you haven't been to Games Expo and you you are in the UK, we cannot recommend it highly enough. Not just for War Cradle. Apparently, there are other companies that do make games. We saw something, some new guys called Games Workshop and so on. Uh, do if you've never been to Games Expo and you get the chance, do go. There's so much going on. We only scratch the surface. We're only in the trade halls. There's seminars going on in the hotel and things like that. If you can get there for the whole weekend, you've got time to go to those and the events. Yeah. It is brilliant.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's everything for the news. So we'll move on.
0: And at the end of the day of Games Expo, we even had time sit down and we broke out some Dystopian Wars, and we managed to get a. I think the best way to describe it's a refamiliarisation with the rules because it has been a very long time since we've actually played Dystopian Wars against each other. Yeah. So we literally that we just had a thousand points. My enlightened versus your crown. Your so you got to play with your Prideains and your yep. uh, other some of your other flyers. Yeah. We're going to be honest here. We did get a little overexcited and forget to put the objective side on the an objective. We just talking about halfway through turn one and we thought we ain't got an objective. We're just shifting it to each other here. Yeah. So yeah, more of a refamiliarization with the rules than a proper game. But yeah. oh, it was fun, just yeah. chucking those dice down. And we even got to talk to a very nice gentleman who saw us playing. And he's an old, he's a he's an old Spartan era gamer. And we got to talk to him and explain how the new game's going. And I do believe he's joined the lounge just recently. And I said hello. So, yeah, it was, it was a really fun game. We're not we're yeah. going to go into how... I don't think we're going to go into how the game went, because we did post, it, post all the photos up as we were doing it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I
0: mean, but we had so much fun. How, do, yeah. how was it for you? I've now babbled on a short term.
1: It was fine. Um, I... I've said this on the podcast, I think I said on the Facebook post, that um, chrono generators is disgusting and should be banned forever. No, they shouldn't. And TED generators are great, and every lightship ship should be equipped with them as standard.
0: <laughs> if you haven't seen what Scott's referring to, um, I, had t- I-, I wanted to try out some of the new generators, so I put TED's, uh, TED generators on the, the turbo encabulation drive on every ship I could. And I also put on the Hypatia, I put a Chrono Generator. First round out, I thought, right, let's fire up the Teds and see what they do. Now, Teds basically teleport you around the board. Um, There's a risk to this. If you roll a blank, you vanish and don't come back. To to counter this risk, you take a Zamina, which gives you a re-roll, should that happen. So I had my Lovelace unit, fresh out, fresh off the the line. I'm just going to Ted them. I haven't really got a plan. I just wanted to Ted them for Chuckles. Roll the dice. A blank. Oh, heck. Never mind. I've got Zamina right here. Roll the dice again. Another blank. Well, that's my entire unit of Lovelace is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Vanished. Philadelphia experiment off the board. And the game went downhill from there. Quite frankly, from my point of view. But it was a laugh. And the chrono drive... That basically brings you back from the dead. You roll a dice and if you don't get a blank, you come back from the dead, and basically what you roll depends how healthy you are when you come back. Twice, Scott destroyed my Hypatia, and twice I came back with full crippled. Yep. You had to roll an anchor to get that, and I did it twice in a row, and it became the, the ship that would not die, and I have now renamed it ERS George Romero, because it will not die. I'm going to paint it TARDIS blue. <laughs> that's what that's getting.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it it was a, a nice little, not a game, but re-familiarization of the rule set. Trying out the new attributes as well. So the aerial and the submerged. So it was just uh, getting to know those rules again and getting to know the new Valor results and how they work. Um, but I don't think they you actually
0: you didn't get to do a crossing the T which is what I wanted my lovelaces <laughs> <Yeah>. for <laughs> I was looking forward to doing a cross the T and see what happened but no it didn't happen
1: uh, it was tricky to. It's, well it is tricky to get across cross the T that's why it's a good uh, powerful thing but yeah so I think we're we should be relatively okay because there's not there's not massive changes. I you know, was said to the rules no Um, just some clarifications and some minor tweaks with the escorts. Neither of us had an escort, so it didn't really make a lot of... We'll have to make
0: sure we've got some on the next game, just to see see how that plays out. And some attached ships, I'm going to have to try that out as well.
1: Yes. I don't think I've got any escorts, so I can't actually field any, but I've got some ideas for attached units. I I was going to try those out Mm -hmm. for it, because we didn't bring in any SRS with us for the last game, because we sort of mutually agreed that no SRS for this game, because if somebody does take it and somebody doesn't take it, because they're a little bit more powerful now, that mm-hmm. is
0: It's an unbalanced SRS at below 1,000 is a bit unbalanced yeah. If you take it, it's it's doom stacking at below 1,000 mm-hmm. points if you get, When we get 1,500 points, I think SRS is fair game, because you should should have account, accounted for that, but we just wanted to have a bit of fun. We didn't want to doom stack each other and just blat, blat each other off the board. That's not what we wanted at it this. was
1: a just a what are we going to do? Rules wise, you know, we just need to get get used to it again. Remember the things and see the new things. And how does it work? Is it easy to understand? Is it easy to follow? And it's still like really easy to follow. So yeah, it was uh, it was good so that will do us for this episode it was really really great to talk to Calvin and Richard about the tournament and how it all went down and everything as far as upcoming content we should be doing a Markov's gallery before the end of the month I think we're all squared away now I think everybody's given permission so that should be uh, fairly easy to put together we've just released a video of our 80 style ads for the Avalon which was a lot of fun to film we'll probably I'm possibly going to start filming some of the smaller vessels now within the box sets the, the issue we have with the dystopian wars is whereas while well, West Exodus is fairly easy to shoot for it because it's going to be like a single box and a single build most of the time with dystopian wars has so many different variables that you can't film for a box set you have to film for a unit instead which is still just as fun but it makes it trickier to because you've got to write a lot of script and film a lot of um, footage for it but hopefully we should get a couple of those in the in the bag in the next couple of months we do have some other stuff in mind planned but we need to finalise and work out dates and stuff like that there might be some bonus episodes coming soon with a couple of bits for a prelude to that but you'll see when they come out so that is everything for this episode thanks for listening everybody and we'll catch you in the next one
0: happy trails pilgrims File number, calcium 260 three two zero two six zero one one. File closed. Agent Markov remains at large.
2: We have just lost Scott. Oh dear. Um, Richard, I I do i I went to small town school and my math is a bit wonky. I'm one guy. Richard, you're on my team, right? Yeah. I think we outnumber Sass. oh. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Alright, lads, you're on shift shape with the mad admiral and some other guy. Thanks. For that. <laughs> 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 you've been born and this is now the wisconsin league podcast where we talk wisconsin things hey richard you know what's great what's great delvin us <laughs> us and the great state of wisconsin. oh crap he's back okay well oh, <laughs> now we God. have our guest scott <laughs> arriving <laughs> We have our first caller, Scott. Scott, welcome to Shipshape of the Mad Admiral. It's another guy. How are you doing today? Hi,
1: hi. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Um, I really enjoy the podcast. I think it's probably the best podcast of dystopian wars or, or any of the dystopian games out there. Um, and I recommend it to all your friends and family. <laughs>